0: The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Praise the Lord. Let's find our Bibles and go to John chapter number 20 this morning. John chapter number 20. And as you do, let me say this. uh, Thank the Lord for bringing some of our own through surgery this week. And uh, we want to praise the Lord for bringing Brother Ron Wrights through surgery and a skin graft surgery. Uh, And I talked with him yesterday. He's doing well, but uh, there's recovery that's needed with that. And our brother Tom Hartman uh, went through hip surgery. The doctor said it was one of the worst that he had ever done. But uh, he's actually been able to be relieved of some of his pain, and so pray for recovery there. And we thank the Lord for how he's continuing to to work. Let's be in prayer for one another physically, that we'd we'd stay healthy, and that we'd uh, be able to just remain in that way and uh, that those that are struggling and those that are not able to be with us today, the Lord will raise them up uh, quickly. Let's stand to our feet. John chapter 20. We're there at John chapter number 20, and we're going to be looking at verse number 19. I need to get my Bible. We're not going to get far without that. John chapter number 20. I am delighted to be back in our series this morning on Jesus, and specifically Jesus this morning encourages. Jesus encourages. How many of you say, I could use a little bit of encouragement this morning? Some of you. The rest of you would like to talk with you afterwards if you'd stay around and help help the rest out. That would be great. Uh, We all need encouragement. Encouragement is... The idea of you know, you're lacking courage and we need courage to live godly in this day. And so we find the disciples in John chapter number 20... And verse number 19, uh, Mary Magdalene has come back to them. The, we've, uh, we've completed the road to Emmaus. Those two disciples, the, they weren't a part of the 12. They've come back and they've announced, hey, we saw Jesus on the way. And here we find the 11 disciples, 11 that we understand, 11 disciples there in, the, uh, in a room in Jerusalem. And Jesus comes to them. Look at verse number 19, John 20. Then that, the same day at evening, and what was that same day? That's the day of the resurrection. So the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Christ happened that morning. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled. Now notice, for fear of the Jews. Came Jesus and stood in the midst. And saith unto them, let's read that together peace be unto you one more time peace be unto you And i have a i have an idea that jesus if he were coming into 2021 that he would he would announce the same thing to believers gathered just like us peace be unto you isn't that sweet just hear his voice peace be unto you isn't that great peace be unto you verse number 20 and when he had said so he showed unto them his hands and his side then were the disciples glad When they saw the Lord, then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, as my father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost, Whosoever's sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sends, ye retain, they are retained. Now, there's two parts of this, this encounter with Christ uh, spread over two weeks, two Sundays. Uh, this one, he meets with everybody but Thomas. And the next Sunday, Thomas is present in the meeting. After those that were in the meeting go out and tell Thomas, hey, you got to be there. We really saw the Lord. You need to be there. And so the next Sunday, he was there. And so we're going to take this On this matter of Jesus, encourages his disciples in these assemblies over the next two weeks. And look at that, and I trust the Lord will encourage our hearts. So let's uh, be seated, and I'll pray. Father, thank you so much for the encouragement that you're going to give us this morning and help us to understand that you are the answer to our fears. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be our teacher, that your Holy Spirit would uh, use your word, as you've promised to do so, to teach us and instruct us in this morning. We do just commit this hour to you and ask that you would bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was saying, these guys are hiding out in a room in Jerusalem. It's not a popular time to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Peter already showed us that at the the fire when he was asked and he was brought to a point of cursing. Uh, ahead of Jesus' death uh, saying no I don't know this man I, I'm not with him I don't know him so it's not a popular time to be a follower of Jesus and really we should not think that at any time in history has it ever been a popular time to follow Jesus I think if we go back uh, into the middle ages when uh, to be a follower of Jesus might mean that you'd be hanged or drowned uh, and we look at uh, different different persecutions of the church and where it was a very dark time and uh, even the of the to the Word of God was restricted um, by some major religions, major organized religions and, and, and so forth. Uh, it, it's a pretty amazing thing that at no point in human history has it ever been a popular thing ever since sin entered into the world to be a follower and an obeyer of God. In fact, let's go back a little further. If you go back to uh, a time in the first chapters of Genesis and you look at uh, when Cain and Abel were together and they were bringing sacrifices to the Lord and before there were any sorts of weaponry and so on, uh, Cain is very, very upset that that uh, Abel's offering is accepted of the Lord and his is not. Abel brings an offering that is a blood sacrifice. Abel, uh, Cain brings an offering that is of the fruit of the ground, the fruit of his labors. And essentially he was saying, hey God, I want you to be you to be honored with my works, and, and Abel's, Abel's over here saying, Lord, I'm bringing you this sacrifice that you required to atone for my sin. And what does what Cain do to his own brother? Kills him. Before there was weapons. By the way, the reason people kill is because of sin in their heart. Right? Right? Let's have a biblical perspective on that. It's not the weapon itself, it's the, uh, what's going on in their heart that causes them to murder and to lie and cheat and to steal and so on. So we find that following God and doing God's word, walking according to God's word, has never been popular. And so we find these guys... I understand why they were hiding, because it was a scary time to follow the Lord. And not that the Lord wanted them to hide out, but they, this is the fact. This is human reality. They were hiding out in the upper room. Now, what really intrigues me is the fact that these guys are later on in the, in the, the New Testament told to us to be the foundation of the church, now, it doesn't mean they're the, the popes of the church or anything like that. They were just a the foundation. The, the way that God rolled out the early church was on the backs of these apostles, these disciples, as they were preaching and declaring his truth, and then that was picked up and, and passed along as, as believers were discipled, and as they taught, as preachers were raised up. We think of Timothy being a, like a second generation on to, to Paul in that, in that sort of way. And so these guys were there in this upper room as the foundation of the church, yet so fearful. How was the church going to move forward? How was the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, going to roll forward with these guys? What's pretty amazing, they're very fearful, and I think we can all identify with them. Very fearful. But as Jesus meets with them on this Sunday... This day of his resurrection, which is why we meet on Sunday, the day of his resurrection. We don't meet on, the sat, on, on Saturday, because once Jesus rose from the dead, we honor that, that memory. And we, uh, we gather together, uh, exalting him as a resurrected Savior today. And so as they gather together on that very first Sunday... They're very fearful. It's not a happy, joyous time. They are very fearful. They have a lot of questions. Where's Jesus? We haven't seen him. We heard what he said. We don't really believe it. We're really fearful. In fact, it seems like if we acknowledge that we're still following Jesus Christ, we might become in the crosshairs of the the cultural leaders, the religious leaders in this in this city, which are the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, the high priests, and so on, that put Jesus on the cross. And so when Jesus shows up, what happens? Courage comes to his disciples. And that's the same thing when Jesus shows up in our lives through his word, by his Holy Spirit, the witness of another believer's testimony. Uh, when Jesus shows up in our lives, courage comes into our lives. Oh, how we need that even today. Oh, how believers across our land, across our world, need the courage of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to be given to us to stand in this day. And it makes all the difference in these guys' lives. All the difference. This meeting, this Sunday, revolutionized their their direction, their going forward. It was a pivotal Sunday. And by the way, every time the church meets together, it's a pivotal time in our lives. And whether you believe that or not this morning, whether you just uh, gathered here out of rote, or you gathered here because you have a deep sense of need, the fact is, uh, this day can be a pivotal moment in your life when you meet with Jesus and Jesus gives you courage to do what he's called you to do in this world. And so let's see how this, this, this plays out in their life. This Sunday service, if you will, plays out, though it looked different than what our Sunday service today uh, has looked like. And so I want you to notice the fear is real in verse number 19. Look at it when it says there they were shut, they were behind doors, they were assembled together for fear of the Jews, for fear of the Jews. Now, this fear is something that we all, we all face. It's, it's really uh, a, an emotion of anticipation. You anticipate something's going to go wrong. You anticipate something's going to be dangerous. Uh, you anticipate something is lurking out there in the darkness. <laughs> and, and it doesn't have to be there. All you have to do is anticipate it. Oh, I was having a conversation this morning with my two boys well, he's combing their hair. And, uh, and Jason is very, very concerned about our dog collars batteries uh, and making sure that they don't wear out because we have an underground uh, wire fence that keeps our dogs in our yard. And so he's always watching the light on the collar to make sure that the, the dog collar uh, batteries are staying fresh. This is just his mind goes there. And, and so uh, he says, Dad, you know, uh, Mitzi, and I have, a do- I have a picture. If you've not seen our dog, I'm not a big animal person. The rest of my family is, but I, I do like our dogs, and I like them for the, the watch. This is our, our dog, Mitzi. It's a, it's a Rottweiler bo- um, boxer Great Dane mix, and uh, it uh, it came from um, uh, 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 Denise Smith. No, not Denise Smith, but her family, her daughter. If you know Jeff and Denise Smith. All right, so they came down, uh, came up to us from South Carolina, and it's it's several years old, and uh, great dog. And but anyway, he's all concerned because Mitzi's going to get away and break out. But here's what he doesn't understand that his older brother did understand. He goes, "Uh, Mitzi's not going to cross that line because he thinks he thinks, she thinks, I always get the, yeah, she thinks that uh, that, that it's going to shock. And you know why Mitzi stays inside the line? In fact, we could take off the collar and she would still be inside of that line for fear of the shock, right? Fear is very, very motivating. Fear is controlling. Do you know what? Satan has masterfully used in the lives of believers in this year, in this past year, is fear. He's always used it, but he's learned how powerful it is. It's controlling. It causes grown men to lock them so- themselves inside of rooms within a city for fear of the Jews. Now, was this a warranted fear? Yeah, it was. These guys were ruthless. These guys were conniving they, they 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 even would bribe one of Jesus' own personal followers to and turn them against Jesus. And these guys were these guys were shrewd, they were evil, and they they knew nothing of God. And as we think about this fear that they were facing, there this fear was deep seated in the culture. In fact, as we look back, John seven on thirteen. Howbeit, no man spake openly of him for fear of the jews so when the, the when at the feast uh the the different people the culture was speaking about jesus christ or the jews were looking for jesus christ no man's going to say anything about him why for fear of the jews they didn't want to they didn't want to get into the situation they feared the jews that much as a culture john 9:22. these words spake his parents because they feared the jews what did they say? This was the blind man's parents uh, when, when they were asked, well, how did this happen? Well, we don't know. <laughs> we, we're not saying anything. Why? For fear of the Jews. They didn't want to get into the mix of it. And so this fear was deep-seated in the culture. Joseph Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, a secret disciple of Jesus, he was a very well-to-do man. Very well-to-do. He was a man that, that went and begged the, on the body of Jesus from Pilate, got him off the cross, and with the help of Nicodemus placed him in a tomb and um um buried, um, buried him and uh, I should say just placed him in the tomb, in that that cave-like tomb. Very well-to-do man, and yet the Bible says that he was secretly a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? For fear of the Jews. So this was a gripping fear that was deep-seated in the culture. It was everywhere, everyone feared the Jews. You don't wanna cross them, you don't wanna cross these religious leaders, why? Because they can make your life miserable. And fear is deep-seated in our culture as well. You know how many believers are going to become more fearful to be bold in their faith because they're gonna be afraid of getting nixed on cancel culture? It's real, it's real. It's everywhere we turn. There's there's a new hot topic every week it seems, and do you realize if we're not careful that same deep seated fear that is bubbling around in society can uh, creep into our hearts and it did in them it had developed in them notice what the bible says the doors not door the doors were shut not just one both inner and outer doors as they were back in they're back in a room and they're they're shutting the doors up we don't want anyone to know that we're here why because we are afraid of the Jews. Linsky said it this way, the well-known fear inspired by the hostile Jews who had murdered Jesus and had threatened to expel expel from the synagogues all who confessed Jesus Christ. And it's exactly what they had done. If you follow Jesus, we're going to cancel you. We're going to get rid of you. And this is nothing new that we're experiencing in our day. Nothing new. It was happening back in that day with the religious leaders of that day. And so, this fear had developed in their hearts. They're hiding behind closed doors. And I, I wonder, I, I think maybe you can see yourself behind those closed doors right along with them. I, I would like to think that we'd be, uh, we would be more bold than that, but I, I wonder if, if the most of us, myself included, would be behind the, the closed doors in that situation. Oh, how we need the courage from the Lord. We can become gripped by fear and hide. Uh, you know, I think about, our public identification with Jesus. It's easy to be baptized in, a, in an auditorium full of people that will clap for you. It's another thing to be ba- to, to identify with Jesus Christ on the job site every day. That's another, that's another deal. It's another thing when you're asked, why, why do you do certain things? Well, it's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's another thing to give glory. We were talking in class this morning, to give glory to the Lord for your skills in front of a, a lost group of coworkers. It's another thing. It's another thing to bow your head at, at a table at work and, and, and pray and g- thank God for your food and get in a way that, hey, I'm a follower of God. It's another thing. It's another thing to look different than the world, to, to not follow after their trends and to, to, to be modest and, and to, to speak different, to think different to talk different in the way that we, uh, we interact with them. It's, a, it's another thing to identify with Jesus Christ in that way, yet fear can hold us from that. Fear can cause us to say, no, I don't want to look different. I don't want to be different. I don't want to stand out from the crowd. I don't want want them to know that I'm a Christian. I'll just be like Joseph of Arimathea. I'll be a secret disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ for fear of the, put it in, the culture, specific groups. You know, why do we hesitate to stand for God's truth in society? Why do do Christians, when they're given an opportunity to stand up for the, the truth and maybe on a On a talk show or something like that uh have fear to to boldly stand for truth and we've seen um believers we've seen pastors buckle time and time again where they were given a question about their faith and they buckled maybe about creation where do we all come from and they buckled why do we hesitate why do you hesitate when you're challenged on your beliefs on biblical beliefs listen fear will cause us to hesitate to stand for truth Fear is going to cause you to hesitate to stand. That you believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This past week was Earth Day, wasn't it? Right? Where the whole world worships the earth. That's what it is. It's worshiping the creature more than the creator. It's idolatry of the highest sort. It's Earth Day. And so... Uh, one of the things that came to mind, and you know, there's so many verses in the Scripture that that would cause me not to follow along in that. I'm thankful for the earth. I'm thankful for the fog this morning when we woke up. I'm thankful for the weird snow that we had in the past week. <laughs> weird? You know, it's just like, where did that come from? The Lord gave us a, whole, a lot of variety. I'm thankful for all these things, but the fact is we don't worship the earth. The earth is not our mother. Don't, don't, don't. Scribe, the earth is your mother. God is your heavenly father. But you know, the earth is not our mother. These things are so convoluted and against scripture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth belongs to God. And we have been given a stewardship of it to care for it, so we shouldn't abuse it. And in that way, I, I think we should care for what we have. We should care for our yards. We should care for the earth. But in the sense that, that we worship it, we ought not do that. That earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all they that dwell therein. It all belongs to God. There's believers that hesitate to stand for two genders. You know, this whole question that's come up. What I'm trying to do here is help us to understand. They they were hiding because they were fearing standing up with Jesus. But today, our issue is, yes, standing up with Jesus, but a whole lot of different issues. Are there two genders or are there not? Did God create us, male and female? Is that God's truth? Should we stand boldly for that? Yes. Is marriage between one man and one woman? Yes. It's not between, as we just seen in this past, on this past week, uh, some guy up in New York is, is uh, trying to get the law changed so that he can marry uh, one of his children. Where does it end? Right? This is God's truth that we must stand on. And listen, you, you and I are going to be confronted with this more and more in our daily living. We must st- uh, stand for God's truth, not be ashamed. I'm not ashamed that God created me a male. And you ought not be ashamed if you're a female that God created you a female. Praise God for that. Accept that and glory in that. God created you uh, in, in a special way. What a blessing. And, and, and accept that. He created us uh, in that way. Of the worldwide flood. Um, you go down to the Ark Encounter. What an amazing place that that is. And you see how big that boat is and, and the picture that that is. But God brought judgment upon the whole earth. And there are many who don't want to accept that because they don't want to accept a God that holds the earth and all they that dwell therein accountable to him. And they also want to explain away how the earth was completely changed and the, 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 the uh, topography of the earth was completely changed by something so drastic as a worldwide flood. They don't want to accept that because they'd have to accept God. Law and order. Is God a God of laws? Did he gather around the people around Mount Sinai and say I'm going to give and uh, give the, the Ten Commandments and all the laws to Moses and I'm going to meet with you on a certain day and I want you to wash your clothes and I want you be ready to meet with me, uh, having a sanctified congregation. And by the way, Joshua, hey, make sure that you, uh, that you build a, a, a wall all the way around Mount Sinai because when I come down and meet with them, I, these folks are not even going to be allowed to touch the mountain because in the moment that they do, they will die because I am such a holy God. And you think, boy, this is very stiff. God is a God of law, and he expects to be obeyed. And when his, his laws are not obeyed, there are consequences Well, these are things, these are biblical things. You think that God taught us all along, but you know what? As believers, we can fear. Well, if I say that, they're going to ostracize me. No, we must stand and for and not fear standing with God. And so, there's so many things, and I could go on. Whether it's its uh, work and how that God has created us to work, as He did Adam in the garden, or whether it's our freedom. These are things that God has designed. God has put in as principles and values in our in our day. He's given us these truths in His scriptures. We have to stand with God's truth. But they were fearful standing with Jesus. I don't want to say I'm following Jesus. And maybe in our day it's, I don't want to say too loudly that marriage is between a man and a woman. Right? And as I think about our children here this morning, listen parents, they need a good role model in us standing for God's truth. They do. How's the next generation going to stand up? Where's this generation going? It's pretty crazy, isn't it? Oh, they need, they need to see it lived out in our lives. They need to see us be bold for the Lord Jesus Christ, not hiding in fear. But this was the reality, and we have the same reality. There's fear all around us. And, and I, I think we'd be lying if any one of us said there's not a fear in our hearts that creeps up as we see our culture and the way it is. They had that same fear going on. That's why they were in that room. So what happens? Well, Jesus reveals their fear. In verse 19... Then came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, peace be unto you. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus is never distant from us. He's always always near, right? But he shows up. There are times where, in our experience, the Lord shows up, uh, not, not physically right now, but he shows up through his word, through the word of another believer. He shows up and he helps us to realize hey I'm still here I am still with you I'm keeping my promise and I want you to know that and in so doing he reveals our fear Luke 24 the parallel passage of this verse number 38 says and he said unto them why are ye troubled he shows up peace be unto you why are you guys troubled what's going on (laughs) you're like Well, don't you understand? These guys want to kill us too. And we could say the same thing. Don't you understand? This is 2021 in America and and it seems like everyone is is rushing away from God and and they're, they're adopting all sorts of crazy ideas and we're living in such a crazy time that is going away from God. Why wouldn't we fear? He says, why are ye troubled? Why are you disturbed? you found yourself disturbed? Jesus asked his disciples, why? Now, it's interesting to me that in most of the, the interactions that Jesus had after his resurrection with Mary at the garden tomb, with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, he asked generally the same question. He asked, Mary, why are you weeping? She got asked twice. Once by the angels and once by Christ. Why are you weeping? Why? Well, haven't seen Jesus. Why are you weeping? I told you I'd be rising again. Why are you weeping? Cleopas, why are you so sad? (laughs) Guys, you're walking on the road to Emmaus. Why are you guys having this conversation? Why are you so sad? Here, why are you disturbed? Do you think it's any wonder that Jesus took time to spend on earth after his resurrection in a time where he was not popular and in a time where following him was not popular, to interact with individual disciples like you and me and, and actually work through their emotional and their, their, their emotional responses to everything that was going around, uh, on around them. You think there's any accident in that? No, not at all. And so that's part of the reason why we're going through these is to help us understand. Jesus cares about what you're feeling today. Jesus cares about the the state of your thinking, and he wants to change it. And so he reveals the fear. Why are you disturbed, guys? We learned it the first of the year, and we've said this over and over. Fear comes when we fail to take Jesus at his word. Did not Jesus tell these guys he'd be rising again? Should they not have believed that on the third day he would have rise again? He he explicitly told them in, in Matthew 16 and verses 19 and 20: hey, this is what's gonna happen. They're gonna kill me, and I'm gonna be in the grave three days, and then I'll rise again and I'll show up with you in Galilee. I'm gonna do this for you. But no, they didn't believe. And Jesus gave his word to them in order to help, help them not be gripped by the fear. He reveals it. Hey guys, I see you're fearful. You don't need to be. You don't need to be. Uh, Ahead of the Last Supper, on the Wednesday of the Passion Week, John chapter 14, Jesus gives his words to his disciples. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't allow your heart to be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Then he begins to say, hey, in my Father's house are many mansions. By the way, after I'm, I'm... dead and rise again I will go and I will prepare a place for you that where I am there ye may be also don't be troubled it'll all work out and yet they were so troubled and the fact is we get this uh, troubled in the same way Peter later on in first Peter 3 and verse 14 I, I imagine that some of the words of Christ in these moments were were circulating in his mind when he said but Andy if ye suffer for righteousness sake happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror neither be troubled don't be disturbed don't be disturbed Do you know what jesus is saying to each one of us in 2021 is don't be disturbed don't be fearful don't be troubled yeah but no we don't have to be we don't have to be just like his disciples did not have to be in fact i i do not believe that that for myself personally that jesus wants me to go days uh, weeks, months, years—at all, I do not. I do not believe that Jesus. It is His will for me to go on living in a disturbed and fearful way. And if I am, there's something. There's something wrong. There's something wrong in my relationship with Him. And He's going to fix that because notice what happens after He reveals the fear. Hey, guys, why are you so, why are you so troubled? Did Jesus know why they were troubled? Yeah. So, why did he ask that question? To help them understand, to help them think through it. I'm thankful the Lord's asked us that question today. Why are you troubled? Right now, why are you troubled? What is causing you to fear right now? What has become bigger to you than Jesus and therefore causing you to be troubled? What is causing you to be sad? And so as he reveals their fear, he relieves their fear in verse number 20. And when he had said so, peace be unto you, he showed them his hands and his side. Right? He shows them his hands and, and here, here's, here's the wounds. See it for yourself. They're, they're in my feet. They're in my side. There's where they stabbed me. I died. This is, this is me. I'm not, I'm not some figment of your imagination. I, this is really me. I've, I've come back and later on we find that he actually eats with them and, and just shows that He's really, this isn't something you're seeing. This isn't a ghost. This is really me. And he relieves their fear. Because notice what it says. Then were the disciples glad. Why? When they saw the Lord. When they saw the Lord. So here I am. And you know what? That's exactly what relieves our fears too. When we see God is bigger than our problems. When we see God is bigger than that fear that person in our family that's causing all sorts of struggles in our life, making our life miserable, right? Or here's the threat of somebody at work. Or you have a financial um, problem ahead of you, and you see God and Jesus Christ as bigger than that. I, I have this really crazy thing that I do, and uh, I've, told, I, I've mentioned it before. Doesn't matter if you remember, it's just, it's just what I do. This morning, I looked at the clock, 6.33. My mind always looks at clocks and associates things with it, either hymns or verses. I don't know why, it just does. I look at the clock, it's 8.18. I remember, great is thy faithfulness out of our hymnal. I just do. <laughs> uh, 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 8.28, remember, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. This morning, first time I'd noticed this one, 6.33. And the Lord reminded me of the verse, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know what? There's not one problem, one financial issue that you have that is bigger than Jesus. Yet how many times do those cause us to fear? And that becomes bigger than him. And the key to their fear being relieved was seeing Jesus. How do you see him today? Don't, don't eat pizza and go to bed looking for a dream, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there are folks that say that and run, run scared, run, run away quick when people start saying, I had a vision, all right? Be very careful. Uh, but the Bible does, does reveal Jesus Christ in his word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Not a God, was God. This is the revealed Word of God. This is Jesus revealed to us. In fact, the mission of the Holy Spirit in your life and in mine right now as the indwelling Holy Spirit is to take this Word and reveal Jesus Christ to us. Every day you can see Jesus, and one day we'll see Him physically face to face, and that'll be a glorious day, won't it? We'll see His hands, and we'll see His side, and we'll see His feet in heaven. He will be the only scarred body in heaven. And we will see it. But right now, we're in the same position as the disciples. We have to see it with the eye of faith as the Holy Spirit illuminates the word of God to us. But here's the thing what I find here, as I heard recently someone say, knowledge drives out fear. And we all, always often say, as we place faith in that, on that knowledge, it drives away, uh, drives away fear. But knowledge, as they came to understand, oh, here's Jesus, he is risen from the dead, their fear fled. They were glad. Total change in their mentality. Total change. And friends, today, as we know more of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we know more of his character, as we know him more in the word of God, you know what it'll do? It'll drive away your fear. When you think about the fact that, that God is the one who gave little David victory over giant Goliath in an impossible battle, you think, oh, you know what? Maybe the battles that we're facing today aren't really so out of sorts. They're not so equal as the world thinks. They think that they they got everything against God's people. No, 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 no. We have God on our side. I come to you na- in the name of the Lord of hosts. You come to me with sticks, you come to me with a a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. God's on my side. And when we have a greater knowledge of him and understand him as the risen savior, by the way, in him standing in the room what did this prove and what did this declare to his disciples that everything jesus had said was true that his promises and his his declarations about himself came true and they could trust him in the days ahead that he himself was more powerful than death itself wow What a testimony standing right in front of them. And so doesn't the Bible tell us in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Remember what I said uh, a moment ago about fear? Uh, My dog has fear about the shock, even though the shock won't come and it doesn't know that. If it knew that and was able to reason it out, it would just prance right across the line, right? You know what? Knowledge is a huge thing, and God has given us knowledge of himself in his word. And as we know him in his word, our fear can be driven away. As you see him as a resurrected Savior, revealed right here in the word of God, on Monday morning, on Tuesday morning, your problems become very small compared to Jesus Christ. Know how we need that. We need to see Jesus. I need to see Jesus today. You've gathered together. And doesn't the Bible tell us, Hebrews uh, 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Why does the Bible tell us to keep our eyes on Jesus? Because when we don't, our problems become very, very big to us. And we become driven and and, and motivated by our fear. That is not what God wants. So let's take time to set our eyes on Jesus. Have you uh, recently... Uh, taken some time to consider who Jesus is to you. I want to give you a little bit of homework in this regard. Maybe this week, take, a, take some time and say, you know, I'm going to sit down with a blank piece of paper and I'm going to write down, who is Jesus to me? What has the Bible revealed to me about Jesus that, it, that I know him to be to me personally? I, I wrote down some things like this. He is almighty. The Bible tells me that, but I've personally seen his almighty works in my heart, in my family's life, in, in other hearts where he takes a hard heart and he softens it, he changes the uh, uh, two hearts towards each other. I, 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 I've seen the personal almighty nature of Jesus Christ. He is eternal God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is wonderful, as Isaiah says, and indeed he is. We're rejoicing in our wonderful and risen Savior, any um, God who would take time to spend Moments of time with his followers, caring for their emotional uh, responses to the, the circumstances, is a very wonderful, wonderful God. Think about that. He took time to spend time with disciples, just like you and I, who are going through fearful moments, who are weeping, who are sad, coming to them into each of those moments and helping them get through it. That's a wonderful, wonderful Jesus. What, what a wonderful Savior we serve. He's my peace. He's my peace. I've known times in my life where my heart is disturbed and I've submitted to him. said, Lord, whatever your will is, or, okay, I don't know the solution to this issue, and I give it to him, and his peace comes over my soul. And it's almost a a, a change that you feel in your mind, in your heart, an amazing thing. He's my peace. He's a lover of my soul. I know me. You know you. And you know how unlovely you are and how unlo- I know how unlovely I am. And Jesus loves me. What a Savior. He's my Redeemer. He is, my, he is the only way for me to have reconciliation with my Heavenly Father, with my Creator. The only way. He redeemed me. He bought me back from the bondage I myself put myself in through sin and he bought me back certainly the songwriter had it right blessed redeemer up Calvary's mountain one dreadful morn blessed redeemer precious redeemer he's my redeemer he's a shepherd of my soul that one I think in particular really touched my heart in 2020 and through the study of Psalm 23 he's a shepherd of my soul Psalm 23 is in a beautiful illustrious passage of just depicting how awesome of a shepherd we have in Jesus Christ. He's a shepherd of my soul that constantly watches over me. He's tending to me. It's not that my life is all about, it's all, he's all about me or serves my purposes. No, he as, as my creator God and, and my redeemer looks out over me as one of his dumb sheep, right? <laughs> I get myself in messes like you do. You know what I'm saying? And he cares for me. How many of you saw that, uh, that thing circul- uh, circulating around on social media? I, I should have brought it in here this morning. The, uh, the, the little shepherd boy pulling, a kid out of, uh, pulling the, the sheep out of the crevice in the earth, and, and he gets it out. No sooner had he gotten that, that sheep rescued out of this, this crevice, uh, the, the sheep takes up, bounding off, and leaps right back into the crevice. You know, sometimes we're just dumb and foolish. You know what? We go. You know, God delivers us out of one besetting sin, and we we bound off and get ourselves into something else. And you know, arrogant pride. You know, look what we just did. We just had victory over that, and we jump right back into it. He's that shepherd that's just constantly caring for us. Isn't that amazing? That's who Jesus is. You see how knowledge of Him changes our all of our problems in our life, because He becomes bigger to us than our problems. He's merciful. He's my merciful advocate. The Bible tells us in 1st John that we have an advocate if any man sin, God doesn't want us to, but if we do, if any man sin, if any believer sin, he has an advocate with God, Christ the righteous one. And we can go to him and oh, I messed up. You know what? Our advocate says, I've already paid for that sin too. Just get right with the Father. It'll all be good. He doesn't minimize the sin. He makes a way for us to be right with the Father. He's merciful in that way. He's my friend who is more loyal than a brother. Some of you know what it is to be through family splits. Do you know that Jesus will be more loyal to you than your own family? Isn't that good? It also changes the way that you view your family problems when you know you can always run back to Jesus. And I'm just saying this morning, you have to write your own list, but I, I, I'm, I'm saying this, that when, when we see Jesus for who he is, our fears get driven away. And that's exactly what happens. He shows up as the risen Lord, the one who had already declared these things, but they saw it in reality. They saw him, they experienced Jesus, and their fears were relieved. But notice what he does, verses 21 through 23. Notice how he redirects them, because he gives them a mission. Jesus is not just relieving your fears to make you comfortable. He's relieving your fears. He relieves our fears in this day to, uh, to send us out into a mission that he has for us. And that's what he does here. Peace be unto you, he says again. Peace be unto you. I want you to have my peace dominating you. This is a wonderful uh, greeting that Jesus is giving his followers. As the, my Father hath sent me, so send I, you now Jesus was sent on a mission to earth the Bible declares that to us over and over Luke nineteen ten. 10 he's come to seek and to save that which is lost which by the way Jesus is on a mission this morning if you are not yet saved if you have not yet been redeemed forgiven of all of your sins your past sins your present sins your future sins if you have not yet been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb By the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed for you at Calvary, you can be redeemed today. You can be forgiven. You can be bought back. You can know for certain today that you have eternal life and that when you die, you will spend eternity in the presence of God, not based on your goodness, but based on his righteousness. You can know that for certain today. He's on a rescue mission today in this room, in children's church. Wherever the word is being preached today, he's on a mission today to seek those and to save those which are lost. And we want you to to heed his calling. I find in Mark 1 and verse number 38, and he said unto them, his disciples, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. Why did Jesus come to earth? To preach the gospel. To preach salvation through his name. And so that was his whole purpose in coming. And so now he says, Hey, the Father sent me to earth to preach to you and to help you to understand how you can be reconciled with the Father. Now I am sending you out to do the same exact thing, but boldly, not boldly in yourself, but boldly um, because I am bigger than all the enemies that you'll face out there. He's bigger than Satan. We talk about being in a spiritual battle, Satan thinks he's winning. He wants to continue to, to make it look like that. By the way, Satan is a master at Photoshop. Master. He has always been a master of illusion. And he can make things look like they are not. And he does. And we as Christ followers often get our eyes off of Jesus and get it on his, his Photoshop pictures, if you will, his, his illusions, and we begin to think, oh, we're losing Oh, this is a losing battle. Who's who's coming back on a white horse with written on his side, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and faithful and true? Who's coming back? Who's going to snatch us all away before all, um, all judgment breaks loose on the earth? Jesus, with the the trump of God, and we'll um, forever be with the Lord in the air. What an amazing thing that we we get to look forward to. We're not on the losing side, friends. Jesus is winning. All things are in control. In fact, as one preacher said it, all is well in the kingdom of God. Mm. We have nothing to fear. And so he's going to send them back out to face, yes, enemies, his enemies. But he's bigger. He sends them out to declare the message. Even so, send I you. He dispatches them. He dispatches. That's what the word is. Dispatch. Once in a while, as there might be a, a, a death and where they'll need a chaplain at a scene. Dispatch will call me and say, we need you at this, at this location. Our officers or our fire department... They, they run off the orders of dispatch. You and I run off the orders of Jesus Christ who dispatches us into certain locations, into certain jobs, into certain neighborhoods, into certain uh, family events to be his messengers in those moments. You know that we're not just soul winners one day a week. We're soul winners every day of the week as the Lord dispatches you. Where is he going to dispatch you tomorrow? Where is he going to dispatch you today at lunch? Where is he going to place you to bring the message of the gospel? He's sending them forth. Fear had shut them in. Jesus sends them out and says, I want you to go be my message bearers into the world. And so what does he do? He doesn't leave them to do it on their own. He says, He breathes on them and says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. You need my power, you need my presence. You need my abiding presence with you. The Bible says in Matthew 28 and verse 20, and lo, I am with you always. How is Jesus going to to fulfill that promise? By giving the Holy Spirit to his disciples to go with them everywhere he dispatches them. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. They're talking about the world coming to an end in what is it now, 12 years? Right? We're all going to burn up. It makes a lot of sense after, after, uh, after Tuesday, right? We're all going to burn. They, they're talking about the earth will end when God says it's time to end. And Jesus will endure and be with us all the way until the end of the age, until he calls us home. And what an amazing thing that that is. But what I notice here, Jesus is sending them with his spirit, with his presence. It is not the self-sufficient that Jesus Christ uses to carry the message of the gospel into the world. It is those that are fearful apart from his presence. Every one of us can identify as being fearful to be his message bearers in the midst of this very crooked and perverse and devilish world, right? You're in good, you're in good company because he gives them his spirit, his presence, and says, now you can go do it. Beforehand, now they're hiding up. They're sheltering in place. We're not going out there. No way am I talking to them. They'll kill me. No, he gives them the Spirit. Now you can do it. Now, if you think that being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ and fulfilling his mission is about your self sufficiency, you're going to mess up every time. In fact, you probably won't do it. And when you do, you'll probably make a blunder of it. But if you'll go recognizing, I don't have anything to offer, I'm thankful for his Spirit. He gives them his spirit, his presence, and now they can go do it. Now they can boldly go through. This is what changed Peter from being in that room to standing in the middle of Jerusalem and preaching to 3,000 souls on Pentecost. This is what changed Peter and John from being in that room to walking up at the hour of prayer into the temple and saying, hey, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And then we're able to preach again in uh, in Acts chapter three. That's what changed the disciples. Is Jesus gonna use you to preach to 3,000? I don't know. But it might be one that preaches to 3,000. I don't know how the Lord's gonna use it, but he changed their, their direction in this room, giving them the Holy Spirit. These fearful men were charged with the Holy Spirit. They were given the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ to go out and do exactly what he called them to do and Christ sent them on a very necessary mission. Look at verse 23. Whosoever uh, sins ye remit, they are remitted. They're forgiven. Now, were they gaining the power to forgive sins? Let's compare that with other scripture. Only God has power to forgive sins, right? Are we all there? What is going on here? Whosoever sins, ye retain, they are retained. It is this. By your gospel preaching, by preaching me, there are those that are going to believe on me and their sins are going to be forgiven. And by your gospel preaching, there are going to be those that reject your word and they continue on and they die in their sins. You know what Jesus is saying to his disciples? Your mission really matters. If you don't carry through somebody's either going to, uh, to uh, miss out on, on, on being forgiven and stay in their sin, or someone's going to be, uh, find the forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your mission, what you are going to do this week as you go out into town this week as the, the, the members of Grace Baptist Church, as the, the members of the body of Christ, as you go out, your mission really matters. To take it seriously, no one wants to be involved in a mission that doesn't matter. No one wants to be the person on the job that's just given given a, a detail that really doesn't matter, just fills time. No one wants that. Jesus is saying to his disciples, hey guys, I've given you my Holy Spirit, my presence, and what you're going to do for me really matters. And it's no less different today. Your words really matter this week. They're the difference between someone spending an eternity in heaven or hell. They really matter. Our mission matters. And so we have a church here that becomes fearless as Jesus gives them courage. A.W. Tozer says a scared world needs a fearless church. Your scared coworkers need a fearless Christian, not bold and brash, self-confident, fearless in Jesus Christ. I've seen Jesus. I know how the story ends. I know the answer from his word. It's not my answer, it's his answer, and it can change your life. That's the type of people we need to be this week. That's the type of Christians we need to be in 2021. Jesus is risen from the dead. There's no need to fear. That's why we're taking time, 40-some days, to focus on rejoicing in our wonderful and risen Savior. We need to remember he's risen from the dead. He is his Hands have scars in them, his side has scars in it, his feet have scars in it. He is risen from the dead. He has conquered sin, death, and hell, and we don't need to be fearful at all. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have no need to fear. And that's what he teaches his disciples. He brings them courage. I close with this illustration. Um, when when I was in India and you could you could go to many places in the world and find stories. But this one I have personal connect with. I, I shared this, I believe I shared this with you when I um, came back from India. And this man by the name of, I'll just use his first name, Ben, Evangelist Ben, um, is a, just a really dynamic preacher of, of the gospel. Um, nothing, nothing special, person laughs, enjoys life just like, like us. I remember him uh, getting on all the pastor's in the In the pastor's conference, because they 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 would have their cell phones, and he says right in the middle of preaching they 'll answer their cell phones because they you know, it 's just a cultural thing, but they 'll answer their cell phones, so he'd go up and down the aisle, turn off your cell phones, turn off your cell phones I, I videoed him at one point doing this because I thought this is so this is so very." intriguing. This is how he, he dealt with his, his pastor um, buddies that were there. Turn off yourself. He's just a, a guy that really enjoys life, but you know what? We were on our way into, into uh tour, to the mall, and he and um, Brother Fielder were s- uh, sitting in the front seat, and he was sharing a report with Brother Fielder, uh, who heads up Worldview. Um, he was sharing a report, in my ear, you know, it, it kind of centered in on the conversation that was going on there. And so I asked him about it later, and the conversation was about an event that's happened within the last couple years where he was going to preach the gospel in a particular village and was confronted and stopped. And I know, I wish I would have, I wish, I wish, I wish I would have recorded this in a little different spot, but I think his voice will come through, so you're going to have to focus in on his voice, but I want you to hear this minute and a half and a half testimony, and I want you to think about the fearlessness that God gives to his followers to do what he calls them to do, all right? Can you guys play that? Uh, you had mentioned you faced some opposition. Your family was threatened. Um, were you threatened? Yes. Uh, One, in
1: a village when my, wife, me and with my wife, and we were just going, uh, some of the anti-Christians say about 15 to 20 boys, gangsters, they came and surrendered us. And That's they said, you we were gangs. not permitted to go to this village because there's no Christians out there. Only you are a Christian. Why are you going there? So just returned back and they returned us in the same bus or the vehicle where we went, in which we went. So they sent us back. After three months, uh, we went to the same place. And, uh, you know, against the same gangsters, they came and they said, last time we said that we are going to cut your throat, we are going to chop you off. What is the reason for you to come? We said, so we have a purpose there. We are going to go to do ministry there. We will be coming through the same way. You just kill us, no problem. So by telling that, I took my wife and went for the ministry. The gangsters were just astonished. What What is it? They asked me. I told them again. You just kill us, no problem. But we have a ministry there. We will just finish it and come back. So by telling that, we went there. We did the ministry. God really helped that family to trust in God. And five of them got baptized in wow. the other family. Uh, but these gangsters were being dispersed by God in a miraculous way. And still the ministry is going on there. Wow.
0: Thanks for sharing that. Thank you so much. appreciate it. So anti-Christian gangs saying, we're going to kill you. They come back three months later. Why are you still coming back? And we have a purpose up there. Kill us if you'd like, but we're going. They were so astonished by that fearlessness, they stepped back and let them go. And did you hear how he said? People got saved. Five people got baptized in that, in that place. And then he says, God miraculously has dispersed that gang. That's God. That's the same God we serve. That's the same God that we need to expect to work in this evil culture in which we're living. The same ones that are opposed to his truth. That's the same God. He's at work in the world. He's not changed We do not serve a different God than the book of Acts. He is the same God. Friends, we need to be fearless but in him. And the only way that's going to happen in your life personally is if you will get a glimpse of Jesus Christ personally because when they saw Jesus, they were glad. Their fear went away. And so why don't we just ask the Lord to help us even this week to seek him and to see him this week personally. Me seeing him is not good enough for you. You need to see him. You need to see him in your life. And let's ask the Lord to help us with that. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.